Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. So, Mr. Twyford, how are things going this week for you? Really good. Really, really good. You may remember I told you I went back cycling, Emer. Um, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this week I passed a milestone. I have cycled 100 kilometers this week. You have not. I have. Wow. Not, yeah. So uh, I'm very proud of myself. You know, I set myself a challenge um, in the lashing rain as we get in Ireland uh, and a few kind of sunny mornings, but mostly rain. So 100K this week. So, uh, so I think 2021, I might be entering the Tour de France on the mountain bike. What do you think? <laughs> We all have dreams. Um, we, we do. <laughs> my dream, because it's Friday, is after this, I'm going to treat myself to a certain chocolate flake. I'm not giving away the name of the brand. Um, well, it just gives me that hashtag. <laughs> I'm a bit of a flake, can't you tell? Um, um, but it gives me that hashtag Friday feeling. Sorry, I have to throw that in. And of course, a really large mug of coffee. Um, because I was really good this week. Now, I'm not out cycling like you. You know, I'm lucky to do 100 steps, never mind 100 miles. Yeah. Um, so that's my treat day. It kind of reminds of me of those fab TV ads. Do you remember those? With the girl and the flake. And the yes. She yeah. had no stress and she had no social media, but that's another story. So um, do you make Fridays actually a treat day? Absolutely. I love Fridays. Um, there's always uh, something cold in the fridge that gets uncorked. Ice cream? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. And something, <laughs> something with bubbles and at least 4.2%. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, yeah, generally Friday is also potentially maybe takeaway night or it could be Mexican night, you know, maybe tacos or mm. uh, fajitas, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so generally, you know, kind of Friday is like cheat day, as they say. Oh, okay. Which so might you, roll into Saturday cycle, and maybe something. Do you cycle to the takeaway <laughs> and cycle back to you? No, no, by the time... The afternoon comes, I'm too tired. I haven't been on the bike, so I get in the car. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, I just can't believe the last week has flown. I mean, I, um, last week we had Cher Jones on. Um, she, I find her yeah. like really, really interesting. What did you think of what she was yeah, saying? Yeah, the personal branding, very interesting subject when it comes to social media. Um, mm. And she made some very excellent distinctions about, say, personal branding over maybe, you know, social authority. So mm. definitely um, if you missed that interview with Sherry, uh, Sherry Jones, you can check it out on the Let's Get Social Show podcast. Yeah. And actually talking of, well, it's not branding, but something I personally like to try. Um, I like to try a few apps here and then, uh, as they say. And uh, I've been trying out the Unfold one that you recommended. Oh, very good. Um, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, um, I say it's, you get, I feel sometimes like you're going down a rabbit hole with these things. And, you know, I mean, I know it's a great app for making, you know, like doing collages with your pictures and, and that V word that you used to like use all the time. What's it called again? Video. But I like the way you can add like text images and, and, uh, you know, um, it's got a few templates, which I thought were kind of handy. Um, what's Mm. your thoughts on that one actually? Why do you like it? Yeah, like it's kind of, if you're trying to get into Instagram stories and you're looking for a, a basic, not too hard to understand creative app, Unfold, mm. I found very, very worthwhile to try. Now, yes, it's only available on iOS. There's not too many font options. So if you want to get more creative, there's probably better ones out there. Um, mm. Not too many color options. But definitely, if you're starting off entry-wise into Instagram stories, it's an app that's definitely be one to, to check out. All right, so I keep going so, with it then. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, Unlike some other things. Yeah, kind of, this is always your favorite part of the show, Emer, um, you know, and uh, I know it's the part that you either, you love to say you dread, but you really inside chuckle and chuckle heartily. So um, yes, it is today's social media joke of the episode. Will you be happy, Emer, for me to proceed? <laughs> Silence, silence is golden. Is golden. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it the silence um, is that you wait for me to get on with it. So uh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. All right, okay. You're gonna like this. Okay, okay. So Emer, we both blog. So you know why are bloggers 
always really cold. Because I live in Ireland, is it? (laughs) Well, possibly us as bloggers in Ireland, yes. No, because they're always surrounded by drafts. What's shocking? It is really bad. This is. Yeah, it's just shocking. I'm going to say, no pun intended, I'm lost for words. But anyway, um, if you find today's social media joke anyway engaging and would like more of them, please know. Um, you are in luck. You can catch P- Philip's uh, previous social media jokes. I can't even speak after that. And indeed our <laughs> other shows. <laughs> I'm lost for words. Um, hop on to our podcast, the Let's Get Social Show on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. Okay, well, I will apologize to you and I will apologize to our guests because we have someone who's really interesting, someone that I've been following for quite a long time, fabulous content. I've learned an awful lot from uh, reading his stuff. We are obviously based on that appalling joke. We are delving into the world of blogging and we're delighted to introduce you to Mike Alton, who is an award-winning blogger, speaker, author uh, at the Social Media Hat and Blogging Brute, where he's been educating businesses and organizations on the best use of content marketing for reaching and converting target audiences. And when he isn't writing yet another blog post, Mike also serves as the brand evangelist at Agora Pulse, where he strengthens relationships with social media educators, influencers, and agencies. And he is also the co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing, alongside Jen Herman, who we also had on Let's Get Social, Stephanie Liu, Amanda Robinson, and Eric Buto. So without further ado, Mike, apologies again for a shocking joke, and you're very welcome to Let's Get Social. (laughs) Thank you very much (laughs) for having me and not giving me the cold shoulder as you (laughs) welcomed me to your show. I got to say, I was interested at your introduction because I was an avid road cyclist in uh, middle school and high school years. And and yeah, we'd ride centuries, you know, 100 mile rides on the weekends. Wow. Yeah, I've just, um, yeah, I've I've actually got really got into the cycling. I I sort of, I had read uh, that guy, David Goggins, you know, the essay, the Navy SEAL. and his ultra stuff, and now I'm rich in, uh, reading about Rich Roll, the vegan ultra marathon, marathon runner. And uh, just getting on the bike is a great way in the morning. It just sets me up for the day. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of cracking the mileage. That's what we do, you know. So. <laughs> Good for you. I, I was going to say, you're just going to keep going and maybe just keep going. <laughs> just keep going and <laughs> not come back. I never come back, is it? <laughs> yeah. Where are you doing? Let's go. Am I, I'm in Donegal. <laughs> <Dunning Cove, laughs> <you know, doing laughs> Bye-bye. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, that's a good idea, actually, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. he's not, you might, he's not get, a, you might get a knock on your door, Mike. Hey, Mike, it's <laughs> Philip. I cycled all the way to America. <laughs> I wouldn't wow. put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. So, Mike, uh, before we kick things off, thanks a million for coming on. And uh, we like to ask our guests, what do they think of the hashtag social media comedian? you like his joke? Or do you think he could do better? <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd love to say that it was it was terrible, but if I'm being totally honest and transparent, I'll probably use it myself. So I can like I get a better endorsement than that. Well done, fellas. Well done. Thanks very so, much. You know. But listen, Mike, it's great to have you. Obviously, we wanted to talk to you in relation to blogging because, especially over for during COVID, the use of social media to really kind of engage businesses. We were very keen from talking to other businesses and obviously our own perspective to kind of see about the elements of a blog and its use for business, you know, and I suppose for the companies that are listening, you know, could you maybe in simple terms, what is a blog and ultimately is it still relevant for business? Yeah. And I love that we start with this particular perspective because I think it's very important for businesses today. A lot of business owners will hear the word blog or they'll hear Mm. someone tell them that they need to blog and they will be thinking about the wrong thing. They will be thinking about the old fashioned personal blog, which was just an individual's opinions, perspectives on their life, what they had for dinner last night, what they saw at the movies, those kinds of things. And that's not what we're really talking about today. While from a technical perspective, businesses will be using a blog, what they're really doing is content marketing. Mm. They're using content to market their business. And by market their business, we're talking about finding ways to educate and engage 
potential customers. And the beauty of using content in this way is that it continues to work for days, weeks, months, years Mm. after you've already taken the time to publish it. I have blog posts today that are bringing in traffic today to my websites that I wrote five, six, seven years ago. Wow. There is no advertisement in the world that's going to have that kind of impact on your business. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I know I keep saying I'm getting the time to write a blog can be a challenge, you know, and I mean, I, I try and do one a month. I probably should do more, but you know yourself, you're trying to sort of say, right, these are important for this week and, you know, it's trying to get it the time frame. But what are the uses of a blog, as you say, and where do businesses go wrong with it? You know, I mean, should it be more than once a month? What would your take be on that? That's a good question. There's a couple layers to that. From a frequency perspective, I wouldn't worry too, too much about how often you're blogging, particularly if you're a business where the creation of content isn't part of your business. It's just something you're marketing, right? If you're a news organization or you're, you're trying to publish breaking news or something like that in your industry, well, then frequency is important because people want to rely on you. But if you're just using the content to market your business, don't worry about frequency at least in terms of, oh, I need to publish every week or every month or every other week or something like that. Mm -hmm. There is a question to ask yourself, and that is, how soon do I want to achieve success with my content? Because the sooner you want to be able to achieve success, the sooner you want to begin to see exponential increases in traffic leads and sales, well, then you need to publish more often. Mm -hmm. We did a study with HubSpot years ago they did a study, I wasn't with them. They did a study years ago that looked at how many pieces of content businesses had published. And then on average, how long it took those businesses, small businesses, medium businesses, corporations, to start to achieve really dramatic increases in traffic leads and sales. And they found that on average, it took 50 pieces of content. You need to have at least 50 pieces of content on average Mm-hmm. to see really dramatic, really noticeable increases in traffic leads and sales. And that's because the, each time you publish, the amount of content that you have compounds and it helps each other and Google begins to really understand that you're an authority in your niche. So once you've hit 50, well, Google starts to see you and your site as an expert in that particular topic. So then the question becomes not, how often should I publish just to be relevant or something like mm-hmm. that, but how often do I need to publish how long, have I, how long am I willing to wait before I can achieve success? So if you think about it in those terms, mm-hmm. if you're willing to wait a year, then you can publish every week. Mm. If you feel like you need to achieve success, if you need to start getting lots of traffic and sales from your content, well, then maybe you need to publish two, three times a week, at least initially. Mm-hmm. You can peter off. I used to publish six to 12 times a week. Wow. That's Two or three times a day, which I've always said, that's really easy to do when you don't have any clients or work to do, right? I had nothing but time on my hands to publish Mm. blog posts. Of course. I don't publish that often anymore. I've developed a reputation as a blogger, but honestly, today, I might publish once or twice a month Mm. and that's okay Mm -hmm. because I've got the backlog. I've got the archive of content Mm -hmm. that's still working for me today. In fact, every Mm -hmm. time I publish it's adding to the mix and it's, and it's increasing yeah. not just that individual pieces of contents amount of traffic that's coming in, but it's adding to the amount of keywords and the frequency of which I've talked about a particular topic. In my case, it's usually social media or content marketing or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So that's a long-winded way of saying, don't worry so much about how often you're publishing. You don't necessarily need to have a frequency or a rule unless you need that for yourself. I know some people, if they don't have that rule where I'm going to do this every single often or every single day or week or whatever, then it doesn't get done. So try to recognize that about yourself. But then once you get into that pattern and you've decided how often you're going to blog and what you're going to publish about, that's when you can begin to think about, okay, what is this content really going to do for me? How is it going to help my business? And this is where you want to avoid the mistake of selling too much. Mm. You don't want to blog about yourself if you can avoid it. What you want to blog about, what you want to write about is your customers, your target audience. What issues are they going through? What successes have they met with or without you? That's not really Mm. important at this point. Mm -hmm. What problems are they having and how can you fix them? 
and throughout all of your content whenever possible, make them the hero of the story, not you. Mm. I don't want to read a story about how Philip saved the day. I want to read a story about how I can save the day and Philip helps me get there. That's That's a good point. point. You'd love the the story about me, Mike. Like I save the day all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, you save your bacon more like. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) But no, you're you're, you're right. Um, It's very true. Like it's something that we would see come up a a lot that Mm. when people use social to constantly bang their own drum or shoot their own horn, people kind of sort of switch off as opposed to, you know, trying to be helpful. You know, like we saw a lot of it on social would say any companies that jumped on to provide, I suppose, you know, access to information that would help people with their worries and their pain points through COVID, uh, especially businesses over here, were the ones that kind of were sort of taken under and were actually acknowledged because, you know, they weren't kind of, they were actually providing kind of, listen, we know you're having a headache, here's how maybe you could solve it. Um, and, and it's interesting, like when I was doing some just research and prepping for our interview, like there was blogs that you had written back in 2015 that were popping up, you know, about say mm. uh, some, uh, some of the courses that you had created in 2015 and before uh, blogging. But I suppose when it comes to tools and tips, Mike, you know, to help a business properly target their blog to the right niche and audience, because that's always, once again, is another kind of area that people fall into. They, they, they write endless blogs, but they're targeting the wrong, wrong audience or the wrong people are seeing it. Uh, kind of, what's your thoughts on that and your, your advice? That was a huge mistake that I made personally. When I first started <clears throat> the social media hat as a blog about social media, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm going to write about social media, but I'm also going to write about blogging and I'm also going to write about SEO and email marketing and then online marketing. And then I broadened it to basically anything that I thought a business owner might want to know about, including office furniture and Apple iPhones and other kinds of tech and gear. Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, if a small business owner reads my article about how to update their email signature, well, then they might naturally want to learn more from me about how to use Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That never actually happened. That doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Yeah. Most of the time, I mean, the vast majority of people who come to your site, if they come there at all, it's to consume that single piece of content and then they leave. It's called bouncing out or bouncing. And so when you write about a broad swath of topics to try to cast this huge net over the internet, what you're really doing is you're not capturing anybody at all that's actually interested in what you do mm-hmm. as a business, as a service provider, as a, as a content marketer. So therefore, it's so much more effective to niche down. I stopped writing about all this other extraneous stuff and really focused on content marketing and the different aspects that go into it, which include creating the content, promoting the content on social, optimizing it for search, distributing via email. And I found that even then, I was still too broad. I found a couple of years ago that I had about 100 articles on blogging specifically, you know, how to write posts, how to organize them and structure them and so on. And I had specifically written a post, how to start a blog. And I had written it with that particular keyword phrase in mind. I'd done my homework and I knew who was ranking for that content. I knew the content that was already out there ranking for that particular keyword phrase. And I knew that the article that I was about to publish should be at least the number three, if not the number one ranking post for that phrase. It was 10,000 plus words, very thorough, had everything. It was optimized. I couldn't get past page eight, which means in the 80s of a Google search result ranking um, after I published it. I mean, and we're talking six, eight months later. It wasn't like instantly that I looked at that. I went back and realized none of my content on blogging was ranking. None of my content on blogging was getting any traffic. I had 100 articles on blogging. And in Q3 of 2018, those 100 articles combined had 250 page views. Right. I, that was probably just me, really, mm. hitting, hitting my own content. I mean, that's nothing. 250 page views is nothing. Mm. Yes. So I made the, the determination, look, this is still good stuff. I'm going to move it. I took all of my content about blogging, put it on a completely different website, completely different domain. That's when I started bloggingbrew.com. And I separated my social media stuff 
from my blogging stuff. And I went back to the social media head and I started unpublishing all kinds of random articles that had nothing to do with social media. I'd migrated all the blogging content off. And now both sites are flourishing. The mm-hmm. bloggingbrew.com site with very little additional content is now getting hundreds and hundreds of page views a day. Wow. 500 mm. to 1,000 page views a day. Yeah. Same content, but now it's focused. And now Google looks at that site and says, oh, this guy is all about blogging. He knows blogging. And same thing with social media hat. Now Google looks at the social media hat and gives it even more right. authority on mm. social media. So niching down is super important. And the way to do that is to keep asking questions. Hmm. Who's looking for this particular topic? Who wants to know about this topic? And use either Google for free or hmm. spend a little money and subscribe to SEMrush where you can put in specific keyword phrases, what you think your audience wants to know about. And those tools will tell you, hmm. look, there's a lot of people searching on this phrase and there's a ton of competition on this phrase maybe you need to niche down. I mean, they're not going to tell you that. You got to look at the numbers and understand, mm. okay, if I just if I just put in the word social, millions of searches, yeah. millions of competitors, that's too broad. Even yeah. social media is still probably too broad. How yeah. can I niche down? What are the questions my target audience is asking? Now, this is where SEMrush can help you because you'll put in some keyword phrases and not only will it tell you the traffic and the competition for those kinds of phrases, you can also look at the trend, which is super important. Mm. But it'll also tell you some related phrases that other people are searching on. It's like how to start a blog might also come up with starting a blog or start blogging or other kinds of variations of that phrase, which would help you understand, oh, okay, other people are searching for these variations. And you might see in the data that one of the variations that you didn't think about is actually more popular than what you were originally thinking, Hmm. which means that's what you should be focusing on. Yeah. So you're saying like try different variations. I mean, you know, how to would be probably the most searched term. Um, I'm going to say it, Philip, how to bake a cake. Um, but uh, yeah. if it fails, Mike, there's a baking help. reference every show. <laughs> every show. <laughs> uh, he's figuring out how to stick Emer's head in the oven. But anyway, um, I was going to say um, the, the other angle some people are looking for are always like, the top 10 tips on, or, you know, the best way to do uh, something. Uh, is that some way to start like looking at those kind of angles? Is that an inspirational way or? Absolutely. Yeah. Easy and, and way what I, or, yeah. What I suggest people do is, is they start writing these things down and I even give out a workbook on how to do this and start writing down the phrases that you're researching, the questions that people are asking mm. and start to hone in on what phrases are going to make for just good blog posts, just generally good content, right? If somebody wants to learn Mm -hmm. how to start a blog, that's kind of a blog post. Yeah. But you also want to identify what are some really key concepts. I like to talk about themes because I like Star Wars. I like John Williams. So I talk about the themes that he works into his compositions. And I do the same thing with content. As a business, you should have three, four, maybe five tops themes, major, major themes that you're going to work on. And these should align very closely with very specific products or services that you offer. What do those look like that's going to differ with every one of you that are listening today? But whatever those are for you, that's what you want to research and hone in on. And then figure out what are the important pieces of information, the important background, the important educational things that I can write about that are going to enforce and talk about that particular concept. Like in my case, blogging is a big one. Starting a blog is a big one, Mm. but also making money from blogging, Mm. optimizing blog posts. You know, those are some core themes that on Blogging Brute, I might be hitting on over and over and over again. And I might find them very specific, highly focused blog posts that are going to touch on those themes, like top 10 tools to optimize a blog post, top 10 affiliate programs to make money blogging. Mm -hmm. You're kind of seeing a pattern here, right? Where I'm coming up with blog posts, which are very, very focused that are going to hit those major themes every time. So say, for example, you're a bricks and mortar business, say, I don't know, uh, a coffee shop or something or Mm. a florist, you know, should they be talking about blogging in the sense of, Flowers going top 10 tips and how to 
keep your bouquet alive, you know, longer. Um, are those the kind of angles you're talking about? Absolutely. And when you're local, there's like a whole new world of content uh, that, that's available to you that's not available to those of us who aren't local. I'm not targeting St. Louis residents or St. Louis businesses. St. Louis is where I live. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of reaching anybody in the world, which is kind of a yeah. broad stroke. When you're a local business, like a coffee shop or a florist, now there's other things that you can talk about that are going to relate very, very closely to your business. Uh, For instance, as a florist, you might decide one of your verticals isn't so much a theme as it is an audience. And when we're talking about florists, let's talk about weddings. Mm -hmm. If you're a florist, you want to get in front of every potential bride within Mm. a, I don't know, 40, 50 mile radius of whatever it is that you do business. So you might be talking about, um, Top 10 uh, floral themes for weddings for 2020. That's a terrible title, but that hopefully that gives you the idea, right? Because you, you can be speaking in a very topical way in your mm. content. In, mm. in the, it's going to be something that your brides are going to be searching for. You can yeah. also be looking at um, ways that you can decorate different venues with flowers, different ways, unique ways, uh, top 10 boutonnieres for bridesmaids. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of different things that you could be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea there as a local business is you get in front of your target audience, you help them, you answer their question, and now they're on your site and you've captured their attention. I like to talk about photographers because this is an easy one. And same same target audience, you're, you're, you're trying to get in front of potential brides. So you talk about the top 10 wedding venues yeah. in your geographic area, yeah. right? And you go out and you photograph them yourself if you're a wedding photographer. So as you talk about the different places that you can go, like if you're here in St. Louis, you talk about the Sheridan where I got married. It's a, it's a, it's a theater and a, and a jazz museum. And you go there and wow. you take pictures of the Sheridan and cool. you publish those pictures as part of the blog post. Mm-hmm. And now you've captured the attention of all the potential brides in your area. And this, is, this piece of content is going to serve you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they're there on your site and they're like, oh yeah, I like the Sheridan, but gosh, mm-hmm. I also need a photographer. Look whose wedding site I'm on. They can obviously take these gorgeous pictures for me. That's Perfect. a good angle actually, yeah. Because yeah. a, a lot of photographers would be going, mm, how am I going to get in front of these brides even more? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, even though at the moment weddings have a challenge, Still, people mm-hmm. want to get married. So, um, and you're probably at home scrolling online, and something like that would pop up, and you go, oh, "I must go have a look at that." Oh my god, I love the photograph. I must give yeah. that guy a call. Yeah, yeah. Well, to your point, if you're a wedding photographer today, really six months ago in March, you should have been thinking ahead. Okay, how are brides going to capture their weddings mm. on on film? Going forward, at least for the time being, for the next six to 12 to maybe 18 months, Mm. it's going to be different. But you need to be ahead of that as a business owner, as a wedding photographer. You need to be thinking, okay, how can I work with these brides so they can still capture their special day? Even if the ceremony and the reception is on Zoom, they're still going to want pictures of themselves in their dresses with their special someone and, you know, whatever family they can have around them. They're still going to want those pictures. Yeah. You create the content that helps them answer that question because they don't know. So they're turning to Google and they're turning to Google and they're asking questions like, how do I photograph a wedding in a pandemic? Mm. I don't know if that's the exact words they're using. That's the Mm. kind of homework that the business owner needs to do. They need to punch those words in and do the research and say, okay, is anybody searching for this phrase? And you can create the content and then optimize it later. And you can create the content and optimize it today and then come back to it six months later and optimize it again. When the pandemic hit in March, one of the trends that I saw was that all of a sudden, more and more businesses were researching how to do Facebook Live, how to broadcast as a business using Facebook Live video. Mm -hmm. I've got some content on my site that tells them exactly how to do that. And this started to really take off. It went from maybe 75 to 100 visits a day to four or 500 visits a day. Wow. That's an opportunity for me to go back into that content, which I wrote four, three, four years ago Mm. and update it 
just things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Now the content's ranking even better than it was six months ago because I went and refreshed it and I updated and I added more information. And the call to action that I might have had three years ago is probably not what I would want today. Mm-hmm. Yes. I got a book out today. Maybe they'd like to write, you know, read that book. That might be a good call to action for me to add to that now popular blog post. That's super tips there, Mike. I think the I think there's a there's a huge amount of value of what you said there, you know, about say just thinking a little bit outside the box, you know, about from the instead of just going the linear route all the time, look at how basically you can use what's at your disposal in the current environment. Um like when it comes to blogging platforms, Mike, like obviously a lot of people may have heard of WordPress, but I suppose what have you what have you looked at? You know, what is available? What would be your recommendation, you know, when it comes to blogging? Yeah, two parts to this. The first is that your content has to be on your website. So that's the first rule. You yeah. can't publish blog posts to Facebook, to LinkedIn, to some other free site you are jeopardizing your business. You are not going to have the best experience. It's not going to be as effective for your business for all these kinds of reasons. So don't do that. You've got to own your own content. Mm. The worst thing that could happen to a small business is that they invest a lot of time in putting content on a Facebook page and they just publish their blog posts. I just did air quotes. Um, as social media posts to their Facebook page. And then for whatever reason, their Facebook account gets shut off. If you look at the history of social networks, it's actually, unfortunately, quite common for social networks to be shut down. We see it all the time. Google Plus was Mm. hugely popular. I had a quarter million followers in Google Plus. That network is dead. Blab, Vine, Postures, I can go on and on. So if you don't own your content, you're putting it at risk, which puts your business at risk. So that's the first point. The second point is there are in fact a lot of platforms in which you can publish content and build your website. WordPress is the most popular. There's also Drupal, Joomla, Squarespace, Wix, uh, Site Build It and so on. It doesn't matter. No. Which you choose from a performance perspective. We did some studies when I was with a former company a few years ago and we looked at which sites people were publishing their content because you can actually figure that out if you do use the right tools and you look at domain names you can Mm. see where they're pointing you can see where they've built their sites and we looked at how those sites were performing on google search and the ones that performed the best were the ones where there was an educational aspect that came with the site builder right the site builder also taught the business how to build a good website but for all the rest of them where you just go in like a wix or a squarespace and you just start building it and it's all very simple and drag and drop that kind of thing mm. it didn't matter they all performed the same which generally was bad but the point was what matters is the creation of content if you publish content your site will rank. Google does not care what platform your site is on. And quite frankly, most consumers don't care because they don't even know. They're not looking to figure out what, oh gosh, did they publish on WordPress? No, they just want to read. They just want the answers to their questions. Mm -hmm. So with all of that said, today, generally speaking for most small businesses, I do recommend WordPress because it tends to be the easiest. It tends to be the most flexible It's fairly simple to find a plugin that does what you need it to do. There's risks and there's there's education that needs to be involved there. But generally speaking, that's the best way to proceed. Well, I use WordPress and I like it. You know, I don't think I could use any other, you know. Um, I had to try, it was like a template one before I started out, really. And there was no SEO ability at all. It was Mm. like a site builder. Um, But since I moved to WordPress, um, it's really intrigued me even more. You know, you're, mm. you're more actually, I think you're more enthusiastic when you have your own we- you know, website or blog site that you're more likely to add content to it than just leave it sitting there because you're thinking, yeah. I've got to tell people, you know, I have a, a website that maybe want to go visit. And if it doesn't look well or it's not up to date, um, it's not doing you any favors. So yeah, yeah. as you say, you know, have a blog, but try and do it at least once a month um, and showcase what you know. Um, and hopefully it's relevant to the people that visit. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's actually, it's very, it's very true. Because some of them, myself and Emer even said in our first couple of shows when we started mm. this last year was, 
you know, don't build your audience just on a social platform. You need to own your audience, exactly as you're saying, because rented ground. Twitter, you know, rented ground. Um, mm. Although I remember, I think it must have been all oh, way back. I don't know if you remember this, this Mike and Emer, but uh, I, my very first blog was done on Blogger. Yeah. And I did my first blog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember waking up the final morning, so excited. I'm going to have a million views. Zero. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so excited. Oh, but, uh, but, Does that uh, mean you have more than one view at the moment? Does that? Yeah, I think I'm into double digits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, no, I think, I think yeah, I, I use WordPress as well. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think it's probably uh, the, the easiest. Um, and then also I li- what I like about WordPress is that you can actually, when you go on to the site, you can actually see where you can put the title because, you know, it's at the top, um, you know, kind of get you in the, in the frame of mind of, right, here's the start, there's the middle and where the end is going to go. Um, what's your advice to anyone that maybe is already blogging, but even once people out there that maybe think after listening, I'm going to go and start blogging. Um, what do you do about like, you know, titles, you know, how to get people to click on uh, you know, I keep saying to people like your title, your meta description is really important with your keywords. What do you say to people about titles? Is it like, you know, watch out for clickbait? Don't be clickbait, you know? Oh, yeah. We are 100% in this conversation talking to actual business owners, not publishers, right? Mm-hmm. Publishers where their entire business model is get traffic, get traffic, get traffic, and then they're selling via ads. That's yeah. not who we're talking to. We're talking to local, medium, small business owners. Yeah. And you cannot do clickbait as a business owner because clickbait by definition betrays trust. You're yeah. telling somebody in the headline, something shocking, something that's borderline untrue. And then you're using that to draw them into an article. That's all you care about is the fact that they've come to the article. That's it. Definitely don't do that. Mm. And instead focus on the keyword research that you were doing, because that will guide your titles. If you find that people are looking for the best wedding venues in your geographic area, that's your title. Best wedding venues in San Diego, best wedding venues in Birmingham, wherever. Mm-hmm. That's your title. And, and just let the keyword research guide you. Not only will that make it easier, it'll actually make it more effective from a search engine perspective. Because if you want to best optimize that post for mm-hmm. a particular keyword phrase, that keyword phrase, it's got to be in the title, preferably towards the beginning of the title, if that's possible from a mm-hmm. grammatical perspective. Then it needs to be in some of the headings throughout the article itself throughout the body of the article. And then it needs to be like in some of the image alt tags, right? Like when you upload an image, Mm -hmm. you can put in some descriptive text. So that way, you know, people who can't see the image could at least see the text or have that read to them uh, for what that image is conveying. Well, you should use your keyword phrase in that image. Um, Mm. So that's when you do those kinds of things and you've done the homework in advance to know, all right, I want to write about Facebook live. And I know that remote live producer is the keyword phrase that I want to optimize for. I can build that into the content relatively easy now that I've made those decisions. Yeah. And when I think about mad titles, I think always think like um, the National Enquirer. Uh, it's, mm. uh, they always have these shocking titles and I'm going, that definitely isn't the way to go. So, uh, so if anybody out there is thinking of going and having something that's really dramatic play it safe. Don't go down that road because you could do yourself more damage than good, as you say, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're, you can go with shocking, but you've got to know before you hit publish that the content is going to deliver whatever it is that you're promising in the, you know, in the title. Um, Yeah. And I've maybe done it two or three times in my past, and I'm trying to think of some of the some of the the, the articles. Um, I was going to say I, it's I a bit like it's a bit. I was going to say it's a bit like Philip's delivery of his joke. You know, he has that build up, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's definitely clickbait. My, my, my yeah. need to my new my new blog post top ten social media jokes by Philip Twyford. I might need to rethink that blog, Mike. <laughs> I, I would, I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I suppose. You were mentioning there, Mike, earlier that you started, obviously, you were blogging three, four times a day, mm. uh, and now you're kind of maybe once or twice a month. Um, is it still important, though, to have like a, a blogging editorial calendar that you sort of 
so that your audience, even if you're only blogging once a month, that's at least your audience kind of get used to it? Or what are your thoughts on that? It really depends on your audience um, from, from, from the first perspective, because if your audience is the kind of audience and you're creating the kind of content that they would subscribe to, that they would want to continue to read it, yeah. well, then that will help you, right? You can help build that audience by having that frequency of cadence and that promise mm. that every week I'm going to come out with something great. In our industry, from a social media marketing perspective, um, a good example is Mark Schaefer. He publishes every single week. And when he publishes, 99.9% of the time, it's thought leadership material. So other marketers want to read what Mark's thinking. They may not always agree with what he has to say, but they want to read what he's thinking about and they want to try to learn from him and they want to look forward to his next piece of content. Mm-hmm. If you as a business, you're focused on creating how-to type mm-hmm. content yeah. that specifically addresses issues, pain points, questions, those kinds of things that your audience may have, mm-hmm. that's probably less of a regular kind of a thing, right? Like if I'm publishing mm-hmm. today, you know, how to change the blade on a miter saw and next week I'm talking about how to jig wood for, for, a, for a wall decoration, those really aren't related. Mm-hmm. And my audience, if that's the kind of content that I'm creating, mm-hmm audience isn't necessarily wanting to hear the next thing. Yeah. I'm only talking today to the people who are searching for how to change the blade on a miter saw. And tomorrow they don't care anymore because they've already figured that out. They've already learned from me and they've moved on with their lives and their projects. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you really need to think hard about the audience that you're trying to reach and the content that you're creating. That's the first perspective and the primary one. The second one, I kind of touched on this earlier and it's, it's more of an internal conversation and it's you're asking yourself am i the kind of person that needs deadlines am i the kind of person who if i don't have a deadline if i don't have a plan it's not going to get done because mm. if that's you that you need to give yourself a deadline you need to give yourself a plan you need to ha- you know have a sauna have google calendar reminders whatever it is that you need in order to make sure that you are regularly creating content for your business on whatever schedule you decide to you know, you need, that's fine. It doesn't really matter whether that's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, every other day, whatever you need, have that system in place to make sure it gets done. Maybe it's just blocking off time in the calendar on yeah. a regular basis so that you can write. Mm-hmm. That I love writing, so I never needed to do that. Mm-hmm. I kind of get a little anxious if I don't have time set aside every, every week to write because I enjoy mm-hmm. it. It's part of my creative process. All right. But I get that I'm a bit of a freak in that regard. Not everybody else likes to write in that way. Mm-hmm. So for others of you, particularly small businesses where you're wearing all kinds of hats in your business, right? You're running the business and you're running the HR and you're doing the accounting and you're doing the hiring and, and all that kind of thing. For that kind of person, that's you. It's definitely a good idea to have time set aside every single week to write so that you can be working on your business on a regular basis, not just in your business. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good advice because sometimes, you know, the weeks just fly in. And if you haven't, you say block off time, you know, maybe a Wednesday morning or something like that, you know, say, right, I'm going to make it. You know, Mm. because in the morning time, you're probably more alert. If you make yourself do something like that, then the rest of the day, you're not getting to the end of the day going, I never got it done. So, um, so if anybody's out there thinking about writing a blog and you want to do it once a week, Mike's got the answer there. One, you know, block off the time. Um, but it's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. We can all learn from that one. Block it in the calendar. Like it's almost like a a client meeting nearly, you know, but it's actually you, you're the client, you know. So optimize the time. Um, so you, um, or you might end up doing the crime as I say, um, Talking of optimization, um, I'm very much into optimizing social media accounts. People sometimes don't see the value in that. Um, I'm very much a devil in detail girl. So the same, again, would apart from optimizing your website, you should optimize your blog and not just not the title. So what would you say is important regarding optimizing your blog? There's definitely two considerations. The first is search engines. The second is readers. Yeah. And they're very different, right? So search engines, they're looking at things like 
what was the keyword phrase that you're focused on? Mm -hmm. How often did you use that phrase? How prominent was that phrase? Right? What's the proximity of that phrase to the top? Those are some of the key indicators. So that's why you need to have it in the title. Mm -hmm. That's why you need to break up the text with headings, right? Your title is always going to use the HTML classification of H1. In the body of your blog post, you should have some subheadings, H2, H3, H4, where the the headings get smaller and smaller, but they're still bigger than the regular text. Mm -hmm. That helps search engines know, okay, this is a continuing theme within this particular article. Uh, it's, it's It's a focus. You also want to have links within your content that goes to other articles within your content and other articles or resources outside your site. Mm-hmm. And you want to have images in the content. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the file name of the image has been edited so that it uses your keyword phrase. Don't upload an image from your camera that's just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dot JPEG. Mm-hmm. That's a waste. Mm-hmm. Change that numerical default classification to something more interesting and use the alt text like we talked about. Mm-hmm. That's going to help search engines. Yeah. From a reader perspective, oh, it's totally different. You need to capture my attention and then you need to hold it. So we talked about headlines and how important it is that the headline talk to the search intent of the user by actually using the phrase and telling them right up front, this is what I'm going to teach you about. I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to show you these 10 things. But then from the very first sentence on, you need to capture and control and keep that attention because depressingly, there are tools out there called heat maps that will show you just how far people scroll Mm. through your site. Mm. And it's sad because every single one of us, if we look at a heat map, report for our site, we'll find that most people don't go all the way down to the end. Most people only read a couple of paragraphs and they bounce out. Either they've skimmed it and they weren't interested, they've skimmed it and they felt like it wasn't right for them, which is okay. We're not, you know, we can't create content that's perfect for everybody. Or they didn't like what they were reading. And some of these things we can address and some of them we can't. But if you can keep them engaged, if you can continue to ask questions, if you can add white space and headlines and images that help them keep that visual interest as they're continuing to read, Mm -hmm. you'll keep them moving all the way to the end. And this is important. It's an important consideration because the way that we're used to reading today online is not like a book where you've got page after page after page of just columns of Mm. text. That's not what we're used to. Online, Mm. we're used to lots of images and lots of white space and bullets and so so on. And so you want to keep their attention all the way to the end, obviously, because if they've read the entire article, now they're engaged. And now they're ready for more. They're ready for that call to action at the end that's going to get them to do something else. But even more important than that, if they read all the way to the end and then they click through to another article, they'll probably click through to a couple more articles. And now they're going throughout your site. They're reading four or five, six pieces of content. Google looks at all that as well. Mm -hmm. Google watches how much time somebody spends on your site, how many pages they look at on your site, whether or not they bounce out or when they, when they do exit, when that exit takes place. Yeah. And so Google is going to start to rank your content higher when they see that your content is effectively engaging people. So now you get more people coming into that site and you get more people that are reading all the way to the end and they're reading through five, six, seven pieces of content. And I guarantee you, if someone reads six of your articles, they're sold. They're a fan. Mm. They're not just Mm. casually learning from you. They've read six pieces of content from you. They know you. They feel like they know you. They're ready to subscribe. They're ready to buy. That's the ideal experience. That's what you want to go for. So that's how you would optimize that content for both search and the reader. So to keep them uh, engaged, do you um, have some sort of like word count? Do you think is don't go past that because they're just going to drop off? Or is there a magic number? There's definitely not a magic number. In fact... I don't think that there is a maximum word count that you could hit and then go beyond. And at that point, the reader says, you know what? I'm out. This is too long. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a bit of a, a myth today that people don't want to read, that they don't have the time to consume content. And it really is a myth because people will go to Netflix and binge watch an entire series of Stranger Things True. in an yeah. afternoon, yeah. which tells you if the content's good, if it's engaging, I'll make the time. 
I will mm. sit through that. I will read it. I will watch it, whatever the case might be. You do, however, need to be thinking about your target audience. So let's take the wedding photographer. The wedding photographer, they're trying to reach a bride who's busy, mm-hmm. who's anxious, who's trying to make decisions, maybe with very little help from the from the partner, you know. And so yes. you need to have their <laughs> needs in mind. That was a wonderful support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hope he's not listening. If you're if you're talking about the top 10 venues in which to have a wedding, maybe not go into 10,000 word histories of each one of those venues because mm-hmm. they're not going to be interested in that. It's not so mm-hmm. much the word count as it is how much time you're investing in something that's not going to be relevant to their search. Mm -hmm. Wow. This has been a great show, Mike. Um, (laughs) You have laid down some, uh, well, as, uh, as Chris uh, Ducker says, you know, some value bombs. It's just been, um, it's been fantastic. You know, Um, I think we're actually close to the end uh, and uh, I can't believe that's nearly an hour, but uh, that's too fast. Fantastic, it really is. I, I think um, like we'd love to get you back on maybe in the new year, Mike, because there's so much more we'd like to talk to you about lots of other sure. you know, content. Um, mm. I, I suppose I mentioned in the intro to the show that you just recently co-authored a book. Would you like to just to tell the audience, obviously where people could find more about you and a bit about the, the book and where they can get it, et cetera. Yeah. So thank you for that. The book is called Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing. And it's a real passion project with with me and some close friends, uh, Jen Herman, Stephanie Liu, and Amanda Robinson. We teamed up with Eric Boutel. This is published by Entrepreneur Press. And the, the, the four ladies and I, we have a mastermind group. Uh, we've been talking and supporting each other and helping other businesses learn the important things that they need to know about social media. And so this book is a great extension of everything we've been working on for the past couple of years. It's a pretty much an A to Z guide. It really is an ultimate guide. It's a series that all that entrepreneur press puts out, but we tried to pack as much value into this book mm. as we can. We go over all the major social platforms to help businesses understand, you know, what, what is the difference between Facebook and TikTok, and should I be on one or both or the other? And then we go into some really, really core fundamental, Mental, evergreen social media strategies and tactics like live video, like influencer marketing, like paid advertising. Uh, so you can learn more about it at socialmediabook.shop. And that's where uh, you can order it. You can, you can you know, find out how to order it from you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or your favorite distributor. You can learn more about me and about my co-authors. Super. I think I'll be uh, getting that now. <laughs> There's always something new. There's always something new to learn, you know. No, absolutely. Um, Well, Mike, listen, thanks so much again for joining us. It's been super. Yeah, Mike, it's been great. Um, Thank you for having me. I know, like, listen, you know, um, uh, you're a fan of Phillips now with his jokes. So uh, that's made his day. And uh, I didn't. I'll send you more, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I can send more. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for I didn't ask too many. I didn't didn't ask you too many questions. So that's okay. Uh, I didn't wreck your head. So uh, thank you very much for sharing with us, you know. Um, Philip, have you any last minute words to say? Yeah, I suppose all I can say is, Mike, thank you so much for again for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, on the Dublin South FM website. So please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And until next Friday at 2 p.m., I've been Phil Twyford, the Curly Marketer. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you next time for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye.